In today's episode, I get to chat with the author of my all-time favourite parenting book called Unconditional Parenting, Alfie Cohn. Before I start, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which we work, the Kabi Kabi and the Gubby Gubby people. I'd like to pay our respects to the Indigenous elders past, present and emerging. I'd like to acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded and this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to Raising Wildlings, a podcast about parenting, alternative education and stepping into the wilderness, however that looks, with your family. Each week, we'll be interviewing experts that truly inspire us to answer your parenting and education questions. We'll also be sharing stories from some incredible families that took the leap and are taking the road less travelled. We're your hosts, Vicky and Nikki from Wildlings Forest School. Pop in your headphones, settle in and join us on this next adventure. Hello and welcome to the Raising Wildlings podcast. I'm your host today, Vicky Oliver, and I'm so excited to bring you today's episode because I get to chat to the author of my all-time favourite parenting books. Uh, Two of those are Unconditional Parenting. That's the first one that I read many, many years ago. And the second one that I read a little bit more recently, which was Punished by Rewards. Now, he has written over 14 other amazing books as well, and he has the most amazing resources. But what I love about Alfie's work is that it is rooted in connection and building a relationship with our children and having that bigger picture idea of what we want, what it is we want for our kids. What he has to say really turned what I thought about children and about raising children and what I thought about behavior completely on its head. It definitely has not made things easier but it has made it so, so much better. So I am very, very excited to introduce to you my favourite parenting author, Alfie Cohn. I wanted to start today, Alfie, by telling you that your books have absolutely shaped everything about my parenting style. And I want to thank you so much for that. And it all started with Unconditional Parenting. That book just is my anchor now for everything that I do and how I question and reflect on what I what I do with my girls. So I'd like to ask you, first of all, can you describe what you mean by conditional versus unconditional parenting? Yes. Children don't just need to be loved or even loved a lot. They need to be loved unconditionally, which means without any strings attached. Mm-hmm. They and we, for that matter, need to be loved and cared for um, on the basis of who we are, not what we do, Mm -hmm. so that even when children screw up or fall short, they need to know that our love for them is never in doubt. Unfortunately, the vast majority of resources for parents urge us to do exactly the opposite. Yeah, they do. To use our approval as a kind of lever um, to manipulate them by offering praise, which is a kind of verbal reward, when they please us, and to withhold or deny them that approval and care when they don't. Mm. Um, And that's what leads to a number of, of problems. What are some of the assumptions you think people have then about unconditional parenting? Because I think that it often leads to a a way of thinking that's not actually accurate, like a permissive sort of idea. Right. Well, I'm not sure people have a specific set of beliefs or misconceptions Mm. about unconditional parenting because 
I suspect most aren't even familiar with the concept and haven't been invited to think of conditionality or contingency as a feature of their love for the ch- for their children. But I do think that you're onto something in suggesting that many people have been led to uh, believe that the alternative to controlling children to uh, an approach I call a, a sort of doing to parenting mm-hmm. to make them uh, comply with whatever our demands are, whether they're reasonable or not, that the only alternative to that uh, is some kind of permissiveness, hands off, laissez-faire, let the kids do what they want. And that's not the case at all. That's a false dichotomy. Mm-hmm. The alternative to doing to parenting, which typically involves some combination of bribes and threats, is what I call working with parenting, mm. uh, which is very different from doing nothing or letting kids do anything they choose. And it didn't mean solving problems together, bringing kids in on making decisions in a way mm. that's um, appropriate for their for their developmental position, um, and in general treating them with respect. Yeah. And that's that's much harder to do than offering a goodie when they jump through our hoops or making them suffer uh when they displease us. And by the way, uh making them suffer uh does not become any more appropriate or or um uh useful, productive just because we use a euphemism to describe it like calling it imposing a consequence and similarly bribing them to um, to obey us doesn't become any more constructive because we call it positive reinforcement those are just terms that help us feel better about controlling children in a way that isn't really beneficial and in 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 my book um rather than start from the premise that whatever the parent wants is automatically legitimate. So here are some tricks and techniques for making kids do it. Uh, I I urge that we ask ourselves more uncomfortable questions. Yeah. You know, like a, a lot of times when kids don't do what we want them to do, the problem is not with the kid, it's with what we want them to do. Yes. <laughs> and so we have to have the courage to begin by questioning our own requests whether it's really necessary, whether it's really in their interest or just for their convenience, for our convenience yeah. and so on. And it is hard. It's, it's definitely hard because that's the model that we've been watching our parents and our teachers handing down over generations. So it is, and it is so much hard, more hard work because we really have to think about it and we can't just be reactive. And I think that that's what happens when we um, turn towards punishment and rewards. And I think one of the really the ways that made me switch around um, punishments, first of all, was the fact that um, when you when you actually explain it, like we, we want our children to suffer, I, that really got to me. I was like, that is exactly like you know when we use the word punishment, it doesn't it doesn't sound as as horrible as saying you know the whole form of punishment is to make our children suffer, and that's really heartbreaking. I mean, I, it's not because we're being sadistic. No, you know, it's. It's 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 uh, it's because it's expected of us because it asks less of us um, because it was done to us perhaps mm. and thus it would become very uncomfortable unsettling for us to 
question whether the way we were raised was was really optimal. A lot of times we just channel the the stuff that was done to us unthinkingly. I call it how did my mom get in my larynx? <laughs> you know, we open we open our mouths and the same exact expressions and the same tone of voice come out. And when people say, well, you know, I was just raised to believe, as if that ends the discussion, mm. rather than that should begin the discussion. We're, we're yeah. capable of, of reason, yeah. <laughs> of reflection, and of saying, of, of the things that were done to us, which are really so beneficial um, that we want to continue them in the next generation and which should be left behind. And so, let, so let's take punishment, for example. A, a punishment means um, I, I say to kids, do this, or here's the bad thing I'm going to do to you. Mm. And um, what the kid comes to ask is, what do they want me to do, these people who have more power than I do? And what happens to me if I don't do it? Mm. So the only thing you can ever get with any kind of punitive consequence all the way from physically striking a kid to taking away privileges to screaming at him to forcing them into isolation when they need us most, mm. which is euphemistically called time out. The only thing any of those punishments can, or any punishment can ever elicit is temporary compliance at an enormous cost. Mm. One of the costs is that... Um, Kids tend to be filled with rage um, mm. and fury uh, at this, with no and nothing to do with that. Um, and another implication or cost of it is that kids figure out how to avoid having the yeah. punishment. If you say to kids, "Hey, don't let me catch you doing that again," they'll think, "Okay, <laughs> next time you won't catch me." <laughs> exactly. No, no consequence ever in history helps a child to become a more ethical, thoughtful person. No, I know for me it was always about fear. Just I was just always in fear. Yeah, of course. It's about fear. It it uh, ruptures the relationship between the child and, and the adult who's doing this or threatening to do this to them. Because mm. now you're not a, seen by them as a caring ally. Mm. You're seen by them as an enforcer to be avoided. Yeah. But most of all, what punishment does, what it teaches kids, is um, that it's all about power and self-interest. The mm -hmm. kid asks, what do, what do I have to do to avoid this bad thing happening to me? Mm. So if a kid hits another kid or says something really nasty to another kid, and you punish that child in some way, the child becomes even less likely to be thinking about the impact of his or her actions on other people. You have just made that child more self-centered, mm. more focused on what's the impact to me. Um, and, you know, I think what we really want, what I find parents want when I ask what are your long-term goals for your children is yes to be to be happy to be self-sufficient but to be caring and compassionate yeah. to be a decent person punishment gets in the way of that kind of moral mm. and intellectual development by saying 
here's here's the impact on you. Yeah. You know, that's that's what consequence means by definition when you think about it, the consequence to the kid. Yeah. Not to the people, other people in their lives. So it's not a matter of tweaking the consequences, find doing it on a different schedule or choosing a different way to make kids suffer. Yeah. You know, it's about you can't ever promote something constructive if there's any kind of punitive consequence hanging in the balance. Mm. And some parents talk with kids in a way that I think is really constructive and loving and useful. But if there's some kind of threat involved, do this or here's what I'm going to do to you, you are taking away with one hand what you're giving with the other. Mm. You're undermining Mm. the potential benefit of the working with intervention when you impose a doing to intervention. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's really powerful to think of it like that. Um, then the concern, the, the thing that the light bulb moment for me then is that a lot of people then would switch the other way to rewards, um, thinking that that's yep. the solution. But after reading your book, um, and I was a teacher before I, I switched gears, um, yep. your argument is that rewards are just as harmful and that we should be rethinking that practice as well. Can you talk to me about the impact that rewards can have on anybody, but specifically children? Sure. So a reward, instead of saying, do this or here's what I'm going to do to you, is a way of saying, do this and you'll get that. Mm. And what the child hears, the question the child comes to formulate is, what do they want me to do, these people with the power, and what do I get for doing it? Mm. This is not an alternative to punishment. This is just the flip side, another way of doing things to kids. And and, And here, I'm not just, you know, talking about stuff I thought up in the shower this morning. There's decades of research to support the detrimental, indeed counterproductive effects of both any kind of punishment or any kind of reward, including a verbal doggy biscuit that we offer to kids as in, good job, good on you. I really like the way you, you know, this this is just to get it away of manipulating kids into mindlessly obeying authority. Mm. In this case, it happens to be you, so of course you think it's benign authority, (laughs) but the effect on kids is almost exactly the same as punishing them. Mm. You know, because first of all, you can get one thing, temporary compliance, if the reward is big enough, juicy enough, appealing enough, at a huge cost. What you can never get from any kind of reward, a sticker, a gold star, a candy bar, a good mark in school, uh, a dollar, or praise, what you can never get from any of those things is helping to promote kids' intellectual or moral or social development. Indeed, you're getting in the way of that development Mm. because, among other things, just with, with punishment... Kids come to become more self-centered. If you see your child doing something nice or generous, say sharing a dessert with another child, and then you marinate the kid in, in praise, oh, you're so generous. Good for you. I, I really like the way you just shared your dessert. I'm so proud of you. That child just became a little more selfish. What you've taught the child is, 
the reason to do nice things is not to help other people and make them feel better. It's you'll get a patronizing pat on the head mm-hmm. if the powerful person catches you doing it. And so you're a little more dependent on powerful people to approve of what you do, a little less autonomous, and a little less committed to whatever the action was that led to that result. And it's not just true of generosity. If you praise children or give them a prize for writing a good poem or drawing a nice picture, you know, or or creating good computer code or something, you have devalued all those activities because they are now reframed in the child's mind as just a means to an end. Mm-hmm. Something not intrinsically good, but something they have to do uh, in order to elicit whatever the doggy biscuit is, whether it's praise or a prize or, or whatever. So rewards, including verbal rewards, just like punishments, including things like timeout, all fall under the rubric of, of methods of control that aren't just ineffective especially in the long run, but are counterproductive, meaning they actually do harm. Mm. And there's loads of studies that I review both in the book you mentioned and in an earlier book I wrote called Punished by Reward, Mm. showing that kids who have gotten a lot of praise from their parents are actually less generous than their peers. And if you take a bunch of kids and you divide them in half, and half of them are just asked to draw a picture, and the other half are told, you know, here's the reward you'll get for doing a picture, or worse, for doing a good picture. Those kids, A, become less excited about drawing, the kids who are rewarded, and B, don't draw as well as the kids who got no reward for doing it. Rewards actually undermine excellence at the same time that they undermine the desire to do it and get in the way of the relationship between the reward giver and the reward recipient. Yeah. Um, And you talk a little about damaging um, the interest that um, children will have in a task, especially if they're already enjoying it. Can you explain that one a little bit more? Well, it's just common sense that if if the interest level is higher, it has farther to fall Mm. when something that kills interest, like a reward, interferes. Um, So it's, but even with tasks that are of less interest, you know, kids don't want to help out with the cleaning, for example, Mm. the, the chores around the house, that's not very exciting. But that doesn't mean that we're entitled to or that it'll be valuable to bribe them for that. It's it's more obvious when kids like doing something, and then you give them a prize or you reward them or you praise them for it, and now the next time they don't want to do it unless there's a reward. You can actually watch the interest decline before your eyes. But that doesn't mean we're entitled to um, reward kids for low-interest tasks. We have to instead work with kids to figure out first whether it's really so valuable to do it and who would benefit. Mm. Uh, and then to give kids more say about about how to um, how to get it done you know uh, kids learn to make good decisions by making decisions mm. not by not by following directions and so the problem with a lot of 
reward and punishment-based systems at home or at school is not just with the method, which is A, counterproductive, and B, just disrespectful as a way to treat people of any age. It's also that the goals are usually problematic. Um, you know, there are this, this, this terrible system I know is in some Australian schools as it is in some American schools called, called positive behavior support yeah. or something like that. And these, these systems are not just manipulative and counterproductive. The problem with them is the objective, not just the method. Yeah. Because these systems, school-wide discipline or classroom management programs and many parenting approaches, if you look at, it, look at it very carefully, the goal is not to help kids become caring, generous people who are independent thinkers and members of a caring community. The goal is to get them to comply with authority. Mm. The goal is to get them to do what they're told. And that's why when I speak to parents, I almost always begin, or teachers, I begin the seminar by asking, what are your long-term goals for your kids? How would you like them to turn out years from now? Think of a word or a phrase at the top of your list of how you hope your children will, will turn out to be. And everywhere I go, which includes when I did this a few years ago at several cities in Australia, as well as throughout North America and other countries, I get the same kind of answers everywhere I go. Uh, I, I, I mentioned a few of those typical responses a, a few minutes ago. Mm. You know, I want my child or my children, or in the case of teachers, my students, to be happy, ethical, caring, productive, critical thinkers, curious, yeah. lifelong learners. You know, decent people. Everybody says something like that. And so my, what I do for a living in my books and my presentations is basically to say, you say you want this. So why are you doing that? Because here's the research showing, for example, and I do it with other stuff too, especially around educational practices. But for the purpose of our conversation, we can limit it as follows. Here's the research showing that any version of rewards or punishments with kids actively interferes with the realization of your goals for your children. <laughs> it doesn't matter if I don't like them. Yeah. So you have to choose. Either you keep saying, good job, and giving your child a sticker, you know, as if you're training a puppy rather than raising a human being, or you keep forcibly isolating a child when he displeases you or take away a privilege or yell at him. Either you keep doing that stuff or you make it more likely that you raise a child who is caring, productive, curious, happy, moral, and so on. It's really hard to have it both ways. Yeah, it is. Uh, I think when I think about praise, I think about the fact that like it's, it just comes out of your mouth without you even thinking. And I'm obviously super aware of it now. And even even then, it comes out. And I have some right. really good strategies now to try and backtrack um, because yep. you you know I'm, I'm trying to we're all trying to do that that a little bit better. Um, mm. But what can like I feel like for a little period of time I was a little bit frozen. Like what do I like I, if I'm not saying nice things to them? What what do I say? So. 
Um, it, when you say no praise, it's not like don't say anything to children. Do you have some ideas for people as to what that looks like? I do. I have a couple of sort of concrete suggestions, although I I like to spend – most people are just looking for that. Tell me what to say yeah. instead. Give me the script. But I, I think most of our time needs to go into thinking about the bigger issues of what's involved rather than saying different words, yeah. thinking about what it means more broadly to move to a working with approach to parenting. But specifically with respect to praise, I think there are basically three alternatives. One is to say nothing. Mm. A lot of the time is when we praise children, it's more because we feel the need to say it than because they really need to hear it. And whenever that's true, boy, is it time to rethink our practice. Um, we we can sometimes just watch and let kids know we're there. Yeah. Secondly, sometime when we want to say something, we can simply describe what we saw. Praise is not about encouragement. Praise is about judgment. Yes. And the fact that it's a positive judgment isn't all that important. It's what they hear is a judgment. Mm. And again, the research confirms this, that being judged positively or negatively tends to interfere with both interest and achievement in the future, to say nothing of the damage it does to the relationship, uh, where some kids will kind of rebel against being judged all the time and kind of, it seems to us, paradoxically resist getting our pat on the head. And other kids, depending on their personality, will be hungry for it. Did you like this, Mommy? Mm. Was this good? Was this? And, and they, the more desperate, well, the more we praise them, the more desperate they become for more approval. Um, and in a way, that kind of makes us feel good because we have this powerful position of being able to hand out the evaluation, but it's not doing the kid any favor. So sometimes you can just say, here's what I noticed. Mm. You know, I noticed that when you wrote that story, you started with a bunch of very short sentences, you know, or um, when you, you're you drawing this picture, I see there are toes on this animal. You were drawing toes before. Or, you know, wow, you, you, you gave up some of the brownie you liked most for, for Diane. And then that leads sometimes, not always, but sometimes to the third possible response, which is to ask questions. And I don't mean questions where there's one right answer you're fishing yeah. for. I mean questions where you honestly don't know the answer and you're helping. And the kid might not either and have to reflect, like, what made you decide to give her half your brownie because you liked them so much? Mm. Or how did you figure out how to draw toes on the bear? That pulls the kid into the drawing yeah. or the giving, whereas praise pulls them out of the action itself and gets them focused on our reaction. So those are three quick alternatives to praise. But if you're not sort of bought in to the need to stop, yeah. you know, treating kids like pets, if you're not willing to give up some control and be focused on longer-term goals like ethical development instead of short-term goals like compliance, if you're not willing to question the way you were raised and taught, then just like having a little cheat card where you say, oh, right, I'm not supposed to praise, I'm supposed to ask a question, that's not going to stick. No, it's it like won't. A, a, yeah, that, that graft isn't going to take unless you really do some serious reflection, hopefully with others, perhaps with a co-parent yeah. you know, or friend, um, about what the long-term goals are, you know, how things seem from the child's point of view 
you know, like what it, how manipulative it feels, even when they smile and light up when you praise yeah. them, what's going on underneath the surface. And that's, by the way, that's an important point in its own right. I have this rule of thumb that the value of any parenting resource, like a book or an article or a blog or a podcast, the value of the resource is inversely related to the number of times it contains the word behavior. <laughs> yeah, that would Whenever be people that. are talk, talking about kids' behavior, you know that it's only on the surface stuff that can be seen and measured, not about the kids' values and motives mm. and reasons, and, and not about the child herself, yeah. you know, who engages in the behavior. And whenever people keep talking about kids' behavior, you know, you know the point is going to be to try to make the behavior change, and here come rewards or punishments or yeah. some variant of those down the pike. So you, that's a good indication of whether you're looking at a at a working with or a doing to resource, the extent to which it's preoccupied with behaviors, or whether it's really about engaging with these with these children. Yeah, such valuable advice. I, I can only say that um, you know. Your books have been such a, a lighthouse for me and I haven't read all of them and I've just realised that there are a bunch there that I think will be right up my alley and I'm really going to be suggesting for our listeners to delve more into learning more about this so that you've got that really thorough theoretical understanding so that you've got that connection in mind with your children. Thank you so much for giving up your time today to talk to me. I, I think that what you have to say is so incredibly valuable to our community. So I really, really appreciate your time. Yeah, my pleasure. I appreciate your interest in it. And I hope that any listeners who may want to know more will have a look at um, my website, which contains, by the way, in addition to information about my books and a couple of uh, videos, also has loads of articles. Yes, for free it does. About, about lots of topics in education and parenting and human behavior. And uh, that website is just my name, Alfie Cohn, K-O-H-N dot org. That's fantastic. Alfie, I honestly, your work is just life-changing, and I know that my children's lives have um, been improved by the, the, the wisdom that you've passed on. So thank you so much for that. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Whilst I only had a very short period of time to bring you all of Alfie's amazing ideas on how we raise our children, I'm very, very grateful for that time. And if you'd like to learn more, and I suggest that you do, because I know that some of these concepts can be really difficult to wrap your heads around and you want to know more, um, definitely head to our show notes, uh, www.wildlingsforestschool.com forward slash raising wildlings. And uh, the show notes there will have all of the links to his resources. If you start nowhere else, start with unconditional parenting. It really will set you up for having that one core idea in keeping you on the path that you want for you and your children. Now, before I leave, I just also wanted to pop in and say that if you're curious about starting an H-Play business or a forest school, then you will definitely want to check out our signature online course, Your Wild Business. Now, Your Wild Business is a business Kickstarter program like no other. It is specifically designed for teachers or forest school leaders, or if you're an outdoor recce, or if you work in the early years, and you're ready to leap into the big wide world of business. 
If you want to take the guesswork out of starting from scratch and more importantly, if you want to avoid the three most common mistakes others have made when they've started their niche play business, then head to our website again, wildthingsforestschool.com forward slash wild dash business and check out our exclusive training to get you started on the right path towards your wild business journey. We'll also share with you our proven seed sprout blossom framework that will help you create a nature play business that is deeply rooted in community values and your purpose. So head to wildlingsforestschool.com forward slash wild dash business to check it out. Oh, that was such a great interview. I hope you got as much out of it as I did. And as always, I love doing this journey with you. So until next time, stay wild. Thank you.